You've been granted special access to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet, with your host, Jim Perry. presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. From the hinterlands concealed by fog, broadcasting live from 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle and streaming worldwide at nightdrift.com. Thank you for listening. This is an interview series about the unknown and our relationship to it. It's presented by the audio documentary You've Met, a podcast available wherever you listen to them. This is Night Drift, and I'm Jim Perry. Tonight, Night Drift reporter, liminal investigator, Bex Atwood. She brings us more stories from the edge of the unknown. That's tonight, and like many, you can join the conversation through email. Even after the fact, you can reach through time. Hit me up at jim at euphemet.com and use hashtag Night Drift on Twitter. I'm Jim Perry. This is Night Drift. We'll be right back after this. I don't know how it happened. Was it always this way? And I just couldn't see it. Heart burning, hot enough for the both of us. I never realized how much you were holding back. All the times I felt so plugged in. You were turning up. I made a channel. with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. I've been drifting on the sea of heartbreak Trying to get myself ashore for so long so long Listening to the strangest stories Wondering where it all went wrong 
with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. This is Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. Night Drift reporter, liminal investigator, Bex Atwood, is back on the program with us. Bex, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing fantastic. I, uh, you know, needed the break, but I am back and better than ever. So excited to reconnect. Bex, but let's be serious. A break, according to you, is a lot different than a break for normal people. A break for you just means that maybe you're uh, reading one less book or going out to one less anomalous location. Maybe it's that you've taken a break on uh, doing an Estes session or a ritual every night. Breaks for you are a little different than for other people. <laughs> I guess you're right. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about that because I'm like... None of that is like work to me. We've said this before, yeah. uh, but you know, I'll take a break from you know some of the mundane things and and try to this thing that they call relax. I'm not you know exactly sure, but yeah. I think I'm figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll share with you that last week. Uh, the girl and I tried to take a little bit of a break ourselves, and we went out deep into Eastern Oregon desert into as it's been called by others, the wild, wild country. We were a half an hour away from Antelope, where the Rajneeshis were and where Rajneesh Param was. And uh, it had serious Bhagwan energy going on out there, for sure. Are you familiar with all of this? No, I'm not. Enlighten me. Okay, well, uh, I, I will spare you in this program, but I will say... You'll need to go onto Netflix and check out this docu-series called Wild Wild Country. It's going to blow your mind and it's going to be fascinating for you to see that in the Pacific Northwest, there was this outright uh, mystical cult that emerged. Uh, and, and the stories is crazy. And to be in that place where a town was literally taken over by a cult uh was was strange and the energy was palpable you you didn't have any um remnants of their compound that was visible by the street uh, i saw one sign in, in a shop and uh there was a plaque there in town that commemorated uh i think they called it an onslaught an, an onslaught on their town mind you there is maybe 12 buildings. I think 40 people live there. Uh, but needless to say, to see the restaurant, uh, to see the, the, the gas station where these events occurred, where this town was uh, completely inundated with this, with this cult, um, was fascinating. And uh, it was definitely a vibe. It had a feel to it. I'll definitely check that out. That sounds incredible to kind of like... I don't know feel out that place <laughs> would be wild i wouldn't know what to expect like energetically yeah you would love it and i also did you'll like this uh an individual a personalized uh wufo session on wednesday night while there oh my god 
That's incredible. Did you experience anything? So mostly it was things that I could identify as satellites, but every once in a while there was a light that I just could not explain what the hell it was doing in the sky. Uh, there were some interesting uh, flight paths that were occurring that would not be anything a satellite would be doing, uh, would not be anything a shooting star or a meteor would be doing. Um, we saw those too. And in fact, it's so dark in that part of the state that you can just walk out, look up, and there's the Milky Way to your eye, just as clear as day. That's amazing. I've been experiencing that too along my travels. That's so funny. We're Milky Way buddies. <laughs> you can both look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. It's an experience that seems almost supernatural or paranormal in its own right. Just the ability to see the architecture of the galaxy right in front of your eyes. It's It's almost spiritual in some sense. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And I mean, in the same time you were probably gazing, um, myself and a fellow weirdo friend of the map, uh, Adler Cooper, was here visiting me and we uh, did a lot of stargazing. We saw not only the Milky Way, but um, some very explosive meteors. And so that was just spiritual, like you said, um, and makes you feel really small, but there's a lot of uh, peace that comes with that. Uh, but I don't know, you can't help but not either like cry or drop your jaw when you see something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's as if you realize that you're on spaceship Earth, right? <laughs> it's so yeah, crazy to consider. And it's really something that, it's something that uh, you know, sort of indigenous peoples, and you know, before the advent of such industrious technology, was just a part of our rhythm, was a part of our being, you know. And yeah, to 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 realize that so many of us are tucked away in cities where there's no chance of us seeing hardly any lights at all is very strange. And I, I guess this is all a PSA for those that uh, can experience dark sky are close to a place where they can find dark sky to go and just sit in that for a while. Because you know what? Like, who knows what will happen? It's not sort of just for the astrological sense. It's not for just the spiritual connection that one can get with those stars, but also it's the opportunity to experience something quite anomalous. So that's actually what we're here to talk about. Uh, we're here to talk about anomalous events, most mostly. Uh, and and on your travels, just, I guess, give us an update, Bex. Like, what have you found out there uh, in regards to the anomalous? And what has your experience been, um, you know, in the LBL? And, and take, us, take us on a trip here. Sure. So just a couple of weeks ago, I did a cross-country road trip and I drove from Washington to Kentucky. Um, now, I didn't have too many stops. I had a little bit of a deadline, but I did spend the most time um, in Idaho. And Idaho is a really interesting place when it comes to UFO activity because there's not as much <laughs> as like really? Washington's birthday. Right. And so I pulled up this hilarious article and it was saying, you know, in the year 2021, there was less than 40 
uh, UFO sightings. Now, I did check, like, our sources, New Fork and MUFON and sorts, and that wasn't actually true, but I couldn't help but, like, still come up with a headline for that or, like, a, a tagline for that, and it was like, was it something we said? <laughs> like, why aren't you visiting us here in Idaho? Um, <laughs> where I was staying <laughs> was one of the two pockets that I could find. Uh, so one of the pockets is uh, called Sun Valley, and within it is this amazing park called Craters of the Moon. And uh, it, I mean, absolutely is true to the name. It's all of the sudden you're driving in this desert and you see all these black rocks and it, it just accumulates and accumulates. And eventually you, you see what looks like uh, where they shot the moon landing, right? <laughs> Excuse me, shot the moon landing. Oh, goodness. Oh, my. Um, oh, good. Where's this where's podcast the- heading? not there (laughs) but yeah like you know you have those thoughts of course when you're driving through like what you know was it was it shot here um but it's gorgeous right but that happens to be one of the places where there is some ufo activity and i'm just like go figure someplace named after the moon someplace that looks otherworldly gotcha um but the other place is um oh what is it called it is in southeastern. It's the town is kind of hard to pronounce. It's Poca, Pocatello, I believe. P O C A. That sounds right. Pocatello. Um, but I did find quite a few reports on the New Fork uh, database, and a lot of them are uh, very true to what we were getting in the Puget Sound. So I found that extra interesting, and I, I did spend a little time in that area. Um, but I didn't have any of my flyers on me. I didn't have any of my cards. So wandering around <laughs> and asking questions was uh, limited. <laughs> yeah, how interesting. Yeah, it helps when you're like sort of equipped with those things to be able to just hand somebody, be like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it, what's funny is uh, Jeremy just had like a little mini vacation to Oregon recently, uh, one of the members of Liminal Earth. And and he brought them with him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so smart. <laughs> can't believe i forgot yeah gotta get those flyers gotta get those flyers back yeah so national ufo reporting center was uh, basically it helped you guide uh it helped guide you to some of the most active places in uh in idaho Uh, but in these places that are sort of in the between which maybe idaho is in 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 some regards uh between major geographic centers major population centers you would think there would be something much more going on there uh what is your general feeling towards that why do you think that a place like that experiences less no it's it's so interesting because i absolutely love idaho oh i thought i was muted sorry about that (laughs) I am. So I absolutely love Idaho. And when it comes to like to an outdoorsman perspective, I I think it's very rare to find more beautiful mountain lakes to find uh, more beautiful places to camp and spend a lot of time hiking and sorts. Um, But when it comes to like those supernatural hotspots, they really are few and far between. And so, you know, obviously, as you're researching this, as you're traveling through your you you have all of this on your mind. And so uh, for me, I was like, what what uh, similarities can I draw? And all I could think was like, um, sorry, I have a dog 
scratching on my door right now. <laughs> That's okay. My goodness. Dogs barking outside of mine right now. So uh, nice. This yeah. is uh, dogs are joining the broadcast tonight in uh, uh, America. There's nothing you can do about it. No, no, no. I I think that we we love to see it. We love to see it. <laughs> but thinking about the lack of strangeness, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of human strangeness in Idaho. <laughs> so maybe there's a piece of this. It's like, well. There's a lot of strange human activity happening here. I think we're good. We're going to move right. on to these places that need us. <laughs> right. It's taking that space. Um, yeah. Listen, if you're listening to this and you live in Idaho or that, you know, sort of general geographic area, um, hit us up and let us know if you've experienced something strange. If there's a part of that state that we should relook at. And if it's somewhere where Bex needs to go back to, uh, let it, let us know. All right. So while you were in Idaho, there was also a, a liminal uh, report that you had found that connected with that place. Yeah. Yeah. One of the few submissions to the Luminal Earth map from someone in Idaho or experience in Idaho happened here on September 25th of 2021 actually in the same region of Idaho with our UFO flap. So Pocatello, uh, I believe this town is called Preston. So just a little more south. Um, but it is a randonautica experience. Oh, wow. Right. So it says, my friend and I loaded up a void point on randonautica with the intention of seeing a ghost. We pulled up to a stop sign near the high school, and there was a car parked in front of us at the stop sign across from us, which had been there from some time, not moving for unknown reasons. We then both saw what looked like a walking apparition across the front of the vehicle's headlights, but it never crossed the entire walkway. The apparition even blocked the light coming from the headlights. At first, we thought maybe the car switched drivers but the cab lights never came on, nor did we see any open doors during this event. The vehicle then turned and drove away slowly. After this event, my skeptic friend asked if I had seen it, and I said, yes, congratulations on seeing your first full-body apparition. We didn't even make it to the void point because it was inaccessible, and we weren't even filming it. I feel like that was the event we slash she was meant to experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, there you go. It it uh, leads me to believe that Idaho is much more mysterious than maybe we're giving credit for, and maybe it's just uh, underreported. What do you think about that? I always love the idea of shining light on those upper underrepresented areas. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah, Bex, I also noticed that you're you're taking a lot of really awesome photography along the way. Is this something that you've always has this always been a part of your process? Absolutely. Uh, since like my very first uh, investigation way back, I would always have like a disposable camera on me. Um, I, I definitely try to include this part in my process uh, when it comes to film photography um, for documentation purposes. And then for, um, I don't know, there's something about it that it's just always been a part of my process but um the reason why i've been able to do it more frequently uh really is because i i've been processing my own 
Um, and I haven't always had that ability. And up until recently, it was like moderately accessible to process, like to have them processed. Um, and recently I found that to not be the case. And so um, you're seeing like an increase in film photography on my end and, um, and that kind of deal. It's, it's because I've processed my own now and I'm, I'm finding it to be a really powerful tool um, for like a variety of reasons. Um, but I mean, obviously, first and foremost, it's gorgeous. And yeah. it had just like a different feel and a different appearance to it. And I am obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Well, it must be, uh, I understand like that was something that you studied. That was something that you uh, did um, yeah. even before like this more prominent paranormal journey uh, came about in your life. It, it must be cool to connect those two very important pieces of your life and work. Absolutely. And I always love, and this happens with um, Luminal Earth and how, um, you know, there's this passion of pursuing the paranormal, but I also, you know, was really passionate and working with plants in my mundane life. And so wanted to combine the two of those. And now we have. And so I'm loving that yet another one of my interests, yet one of my, my past professions is, is now reconnecting and combining with this paranormal passion. And so photography um is coming back into play and it was something that i have eight years studio experience in. that was the first job i had um it was my minor in school before i went back for botany um you know it's always been really near and dear and so now you know when i'm going and documenting or uh collecting for my reports for example uh multiple film cameras are at play and i wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> uh just give us your like Insta tag right now, so people can oh, okay. go and check out your photographs. I'll have to post more now. <laughs> My yeah. Insta tag is uh, at Bex in the Liminal, B E X. Um, and yeah, I've I have a whole like black and white thing going on, um, and definitely inspired by John Tenney. <laughs> Not gonna lie, but I I really love uh, kind of posting the the scene, I guess, if you will, of, of each place I'm kind of looking into. And and so to be able to have folks see that is it's been really nice. I love it. It's a coffee table book or zine waiting to happen. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, well, great. Uh, we, we are here with Bex Atwood and she's describing her cross-country trip. We're going to be talking about a little place called Land Between the Lakes. That's next, right here after this on Night Drift.
Jim Perry is lost in time. These are the Night Drift Archives by Euphemet. Just a coincidence. These are the encounters, artifacts, and legends of the unknown. These are the Night Drift Archives by Euphemet, with your host, Jim Perry. I'm Jim Perry, and this is Night Drift. We're back here with Bex Atwood, Night Drift reporter and liminal investigator. And uh, yeah, we're talking a little bit about her cross country road trip, but also. Um, you know, a, a place that we've talked about on this show before, which is land between the lakes. Can you tell us a little bit about this place? Yes. So I believe the last time we talked about this was my liminal report back in, oh, December or January. And I had been visiting family. And I believe I told y'all the story of their cryptid, which fell right into line with our dogman reports at the time. Oh my gosh. Uh, we're exciting. In a way, I'm returning to our night drift roots here um, almost a year later. So that's uh, been really great. Um, but, you know, we, we've talked about the story of these college kids getting basically chased out of the park by this, this LBL beast, LBL monster. Um, you know, I've, I'm returning to the area. I'm re-experiencing the energy. Um, and unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of, like, the tornado damage from last time. Oh, um, yeah. It, you know, is, is a completely different park after the last time I went, um, especially when trying to locate this really creepy church in the middle of it. Um, and it's like a, I think it's believed it's called St. Saint, 
Stephen's church. And um, it's always kind of lured me because it's been absolutely in the middle of nowhere. You are like multiple miles on a gravel or dirt road to access it. Um, you know, and you're driving down the road, bump, 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 curve, curve, curve. But then out of nowhere, you know, the trees part and you see this really pristine white church. Um, and as you walk up to it, you realize that there's no lock on the door. You can enter. <laughs> and, and so the door, you know, creaks open and it has those very old school, original wood floors. So you can hear every step, the door, you know, squeaks shut behind you. And you realize that this church is in perfect condition. And I, that's just unheard of, especially with, with us explorers. You know, we're constantly going out. We're constantly checking out like abandoned places, you know, reportedly haunted places. And there's always vandalism. There's always broken windows. There's always damage, mildew, what have you. And this is the first time I've ever experienced, you know, an untouched place in the middle of nowhere but I will tell you what Jim <laughs> the entire time I was in there I felt like something was watching me in the windows um oh it was God. almost don't you even lift a finger on that on that wall like let's keep wow. this pristine it was such a bizarre feeling but it was very straight to the point and I understood what I could and could not do there um it was very very odd to experience that whole uh untouched church uh strange strange feelings man <laughs> yeah well it's so interesting because we come back to this idea of uh places like lbl potentially being liminal locations right and yeah. for people that maybe they're listening to this for the very first time can you explain what that means and how a place like this could be considered that what what is a liminal space what what do we believe is a liminal space and how lbl fits into that Sure. So a liminal space is simply a space that's in between neither here nor there. I would have to say it's in between places. Um, and it being liminal in nature as far as LBL is concerned, um, we often associate liminal places as places kind of on the verge, on the cusp or cut off. Um, and What's fantastic about LBL is it's literally the land between two lakes. It's in the name. Is it right in the and name? You look at that map and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the definition of a physical liminal space. Um, it's literally in between something. Um, but then we we kind of peel back that layer, right? Of um, you know, liminal space and it's and it's meaning energetically, it's meaning spiritually, you know, from a paranormal standpoint. Um, water has a lot to do with liminality um, and then having this place that was completely changed you know 60 years ago these lakes didn't exist then they were dammed in from the Cumberland River and so um, that's very liminal in nature too this change of the environment yeah um, then including that water it's just like it makes me think of uh, like making a remix like let's get um yeah it's so <laughs> i just did that <laughs> that's where we're at that's where we're at mentally um <laughs> we love it we love we love to hear it 
We love to we love it, don't we? Um, I'm just thinking about that church. It's blowing my mind. Um, well, let, hey, let's circle back to that. Let's revisit that. What's blowing your mind about it? What? Why, why is it? Uh, <laughs> why is it holding you in this moment? I it just it's it's so pristine. I I, Jim, I've been to so many places in my life and. I've never seen a place that hasn't had a single bit of vandal like vandalization and it takes so long to get out there. And I've never really felt that feeling of like, don't put your hands here. Like don't dirty up this place. I'm like watching you. Like I could even probably pinpoint which window I felt it out of. Um, it's really wild because I'm feeling that all over again right now. <laughs> it's really weird. Well, the the difference between this time that you're out there and before is that you've developed a more robust tool set as a liminal investigator, right? And so when you have these experiences now, uh, does it take a minute for you to realize that, uh, wait, maybe I do an Estes session out here. Maybe I do a ritual. Maybe I use this technique or this technique that I've amassed since spending time here. And if so, are, is the church, are there other places that you can't wait to engage with the strangeness? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think my entire perspective on how to approach something like that has changed here in the last year or so. Yeah. Um, you know, now I'm all about um, engaging without expectations. Um, it's more of like a service approach to contact. Um, so I think it's really important to first and foremost, if you enter someone's house, their threshold, give them a gift. That's just what you do now for me. And so um, I think that it's really important to leave um, the church, this property, um, a gift of sorts. And I like to leave it uh, as biodegradable and as safe to like the local wildlife as possible. Um, but just leaving something in veneration of this space of the beings who occupy it it shows listen i'm not coming in here and saying i'm here now you know i expect you to perform for me or i expect this that and the other do it now i'm saying i am here i respect this place here's my gift i'm not asking anything of them and so i think that's a really good foot to start on <laughs> Uh, doing that right but then also um kind of going with the intention of like i i'm here to experience the energy of this place i'm here to document it with photographs anything else that happens is just a bonus so it takes the pressure off of like the whole situation and i think it also kind of takes the pressure off of the place and the beings itself as well mm. Yeah. So you immediately go into a situation where it's less uh, sort of pr quid pro quo with the spirit world or whatever that realm could be and uh, sort of more of a, a pleasant exchange and or a introduction rather than anything else. I would say so. Uh, less less transactional thinking <laughs> is, yeah. is good. Right, right. Well, I'm here, so you need to talk to me right now, or I'm going to bang around on things. Voice. <laughs> I that, mean, yes. That's my exactly. ghost hunter voice. That's what the voice I go into when I need to go in, rattle some cages, and get some spirits talking to me. That's it, though. And 
man, that, that puts me on like a whole other tangent of something else I experienced in Idaho, of course. Yeah, um, let's go back to Idaho. I'm getting the, I'm getting the idea that you really undersold Idaho to us here. I know, I know. And it's like, man, I, I've done this show how many times? I'm just like messing up this format so bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, take us back to the spookiest place in the nation, Idaho, with what else you experienced. Oh is the most haunted place on earth um <laughs> so it, it was actually more of like a human phenomenon which is interesting so i like you went to this really small town with like a population of only like 40 and then this small town is called albion and it's also in southern idaho um but what's interesting about albion is it has this campus of old schools um that are like a ghost hunter stream and there have, in fact, been multiple ghost hunting shows that have uh, shot at this location and have investigated. And so I found it on like onlyinyourstate.com. And, you know, what I saw was this uh, this entire campus that we could explore. Um, so I was super excited to photograph it. I was excited to experience it. Um, and I, I drive, take like a couple hour detour and I get there and it's completely no trespassing everywhere, private property. Um, that was not mentioned. So I drove across the street to the mercantile and I'm like getting ice cream or something. And I happened to mention like, hey, you know, I uh, help run this map of weird places and we film TikToks and I was really wanting to see this place. And the cashier is like, hey, I know who operates it. Let me give them a call. Um, Oh, nice. And, you know, I was uh, prepared to be like, oh, you know, well, here's the Luminal Earth TikTok and we, you know, have followers and we have good content. Um, so after a few minute wait, lady comes back and she said, all right, let me share with you my conversation. Um, you cannot investigate. And here's why. Um, she doesn't care that you have this page. She doesn't care about your work um, because they had a probably the most famous ghost hunting group come through and they vandalized the property during their investigation um oh for sake i'm sorry again for what for what for evidence sake so i don't remember the exact details but they basically spray painted something to affirm something that was uh mentioned or or had happened during their investigation and was like oh that wasn't there before um and so obviously the oh. no you just vandalized my property i never want you or anyone like you to come back they don't have to do tours anymore and so i left thinking like Obviously, I'm bummed that I, I couldn't go and photograph this place as much as I wanted to. And and I couldn't, you know, share this with the Liminal Earth viewers. Um, but in a much larger sense, I was really upset that yeah. this this uh, this group that's, you know, kind of, quote unquote, leading the way on the mainstream front of, of ghost hunting in the paranormal world has done this so they don't trust people with a million followers they don't trust people who have good intentions like it's all done now and so that kind of set me down this whole path of um maybe idaho has been burned by ghost hunters and that's why people aren't sharing their reports anymore that's why people aren't leading tours and investigations anymore it's like 
they've been burned and now these places are just going to kind of sit and rot. That is so fascinating. And uh, wow. Okay. Now I get why my funny voice set you down a tangent. <laughs> Reminded you of something. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, well, that, that's, that's so unfortunate and so terrible. And, um, you know, for entertainment's sake, for these places that have an importance, that have an ability to connect us with potentially something much greater than ourselves, um, you know, for the sake of exploring that, for the ability to explore it, uh, for, for groups like that, if it's true um, to have uh, degraded that space, uh, you know, to seek some sort of narrative thread you know some validation is um boy that's really that's really terrible if that's true um man names will remain unsaid i suppose uh but uh yeah i could see where that could start closing everything down <laughs> yeah absolutely that just it i think it it shows the approach I was talking about earlier when we were talking about the church, um, I think it that's the way in the future. If we want to be able to continue to do this kind of work, explore these places, do these things, um, we better think of new approaches now because, you know, X, Y, and Z is happening and then it's limiting our ability. And so um, I really think that if we approach things with generation, if we uh, go with that gifting mindset with the no transactional mindset, I think that we can um, hopefully reset that a bit and maybe take the blunt of some of that, uh, those negative parties. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Making everyone's uh, making everyone work a little harder and that's, that's fine. We're, we're not, uh, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Um, let's, let's, uh, close this show down on a high note. Um, you have a report of, uh, UFO potentially, potentially Fay activity, um, 40 miles away in, in Trenton, Kentucky. Um, can you describe what, what happened? Yeah. So yeah, this is super, super close to me. And this happened on June 8th this year. And it was at about two o'clock a.m. Uh, lasted about 20 seconds. Uh, the overall characteristics of this report were lights in a field that emitted beams and changed color. Um, so the official report is, uh, quote, my toddler woke up at about 1.30 a.m. I went into his bedroom on the front side of the house. I laid down with him and started to drift off. I thought my Garmin watch had shifted on my wrist because I saw a strobe effect in the darkness. I realized I wasn't wearing it. I looked up through his door, through my bedroom door, and out the window showing the back of the house into the cow pasture, there were blue lights. They were in a squatty X formation, wider than tall. They stretched about 50 feet across and were in the pasture about 100 yards away. It appeared to be on a hover above the pasture. I squinted because it was so unreal. There's nothing back there but fields. The farmer's structures are a good 50 feet away from this, the setting. 
As I squinted, the lights became brighter and larger. The deep teal blue color became almost whitish, spanning 50 to 100 feet across, then vanished in an instant, appearing to head north uh, into more into Kentucky, but left no tracks, trails, smoke, or any indication of directional movement. There was no sound during any of this. I laid there completely awake, asking myself for about 30 minutes if I had been dreaming. But no, I had not been completely asleep. I was 100% awake. Um, They even attached a picture of the field, uh, not with the lights, but just saying, hey, look how far away that this had happened. Um, So yeah, that was from the New Fork database. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And that place, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's so strange down there. Uh, I, I want to go back so bad. Uh, I have something potentially on the books and I'll talk with you offline about as well. And, uh, hopefully I can come down there soon and experience this all again, firsthand and visit some of these places that I've never been before it as well. Like the LBL. Yes. And Hopkinsville. That's like, (laughs) 30 minutes away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Bex. Uh, thank you so much for joining Night Drift again. It's it's always great um, when we get to hear your voice. Where can people find all of your work? And what do we need to keep a watch out for? Ooh, okay. So across the board, you can find me at Bex in the Liminal. Um, I'm actually going to be setting up a link tree. So that'll be really accessible. Um, I'm doing my Katie and Bex live show uh, every week or so. Every Wednesday, we do Wufo through Liminal Earth. Uh, we just did an, a uh, map update. So check out liminal.earth. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think that's everything you can find me at now. Uh, some new things coming up soon, but we can talk about that another time. Well, perfect. Well, we'll definitely have you on uh, very soon again. And I hope you get to, I don't know, investigate some of the dog man stuff down there as well. So we can continue tracking that story and bring that back up. Whew, that was a crazy string of uh, investigations that happened. Um, but until then, thank you so much, Bex. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys. And thank you for listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry and Bex Atwood on Alternative Talk KKNW 1150 AM Seattle. Hear the show anytime on its podcast feed, wherever you listen to them. Go to euphomat.com for more and join us next Sunday. And until then, keep looking up.
follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.